Welcome to the Cryptocast by Gunna Cook, the leading industry podcast that brings together expert guests to discuss hot topics and useful advice for blockchain and crypto asset businesses. I'm Catherine Dodds. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, this is Catherine Dodds here with another episode of Cryptocast. This time I'm joined by Kevin, who is the CEO of Fan Circles. Hello, Kevin. Hi, Catherine. Nice to meet So do you want to kick off and tell us a bit about who you are and how you ended up founding Fan Circles and the, the journey to where it is today? Yeah, sure. So, yeah, a bit of a long journey, really. Um, so I had an internet company um, that I sold back in 2012, uh, which was an affiliate marketing company. Um, I sold it to a German company and after that decided that I wanted to go the absolute opposite way when it came to corporate life and decided to go into band management. Uh, managed a couple of bands. Um, one was the uh, a band called the Australian Pink Floyd and the other one was the Beautiful South. And um, spent about three, four years doing that. And, um, and, and, and really, I think coming out of a data-driven industry directly into the music industry is a bit of a shock really uh, I just simply couldn't understand why why artists didn't own their own data and how how, how to run a business when you didn't know who the customer was and the customer was owned by Ticketmaster or Live Nation or the merchandise company um, so that was the that was the sort of thoughts that came just before Fan settles. Fan settles aim to be, I guess, something like a Facebook, but instead of Mark Zuckerberg owning it, you owned it, and the data belong 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 to you, and the fan relationships were direct, and you could sell direct, and you had a way that you could um, uh, stream music to people, do live broadcasts to people, and also, and more than Spotify would pay by a long, long way. So that was the driving force to help the musician in the equation. Yeah, that's really interesting. And then, so I guess you founded Fan Circles, was it 2015? I think, it, yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was that long ago. Yeah, yeah, it was. It's been, uh, yeah, it's been a bit, of a bit of a journey. Yeah, uh, we work with about 70 different music artists, small to, to larger artists like uh, UB40 and um, we're not necessarily got very cool artists but we've got artists that know how to make money and um, and, and I see more than how to make money that need to make money um, and um, and still tour um, so yeah um, we now work with record labels um, and um, artist management yeah that's really interesting so a big part of um, fan circles is obviously like about building and engaging community. Like, why is that so important? And and how can, I guess, an up and coming artist and an established artist go about building and engaging a community? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I mean, the community is an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, when you look at social media, it's not the friendliest place and I don't think it's getting friendly. I think it's just getting worse and worse. Um, I think whatever you do to the algorithms, you get response for saying things that are not necessarily good things. So it's driven by generally, I mean, I think it's driven by sort of angst and angriness and 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 and, and trying to be different and, uh, and and pushing the boundaries rather than actual 
conversation. I think, you know, if you put everybody into one room, I don't think we're all meant to get on. I don't think that's how it really works in the real world. I mean, it's it's something that I think communities exist because of a commonality between them. Um, you know, I, I always joke that if you if uh, uh, if 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 you put all the flat earthers into one room, then they can agree forever that the earth is flat. Uh, but put them on Twitter, and uh, it's just going to be a big argument forever. Um, so you know, I think it's the same when it comes to a music artist. Um, I think you've got fans of the band, and, and but you've also got critics of each band as well, or artist. And I think um, it's not the the nicest experience to be going live on Instagram uh, to people that tell you that you've got old or you've got fat or something like that. And I think it's and a lot of artists have experienced that um, through through going live on 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 Instagram or or YouTube. Um, we work with Paloma Faith, for example, and uh, she she loves speaking directly to her fan base, and um, and 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 ever since having her own platform with us uh has, has never used instagram live again and uh she just feels very at home she can speak to the people the way that she wants to speak to them and and people can talk about and with her with a with the with the reason and you know with, with something in common so i think i think communities are supposed to be a little bit tighter than everybody in the world and i think that's what we try to create this like friendly place that you can discuss things that you may not discuss on twitter or or, or facebook for example yeah that, that, like it seems to me that right, social media seems especially especially in the music industry at the minute there seems to be quite a big cancel culture um in terms of you know some someone can yeah. put something on social media and it could be sort of interpreted another way and then all of a sudden they're cancelled like that has happened quite a lot recently and it's i think it's nice that you're with what you're doing is kind of i guess you're building an alternative to that and there seems to be it's a place where people can feel a bit artists and fans alike can kind of feel a bit safer to to, to discuss well i think so i think that, that this another critical thing i think is the fact that when when you know for example if you downloaded the paloma faith app the first thing you do is you you register and whether you know it or not um i think there's the implication you realize that you know this is going directly to the artist so the artist mm -hmm. knows who you are and i think the difference being that if you're on twitter you could be anybody you can be anonymous you can say whatever yeah. you want because you're allowed to say anything because you're shielded by your anonymity and i think if you're signing up to a, a platform like say linkedin you know we all look after our profiles on there because you've got one profile and yeah. You've got one entity, it's you, and it represents you, and you don't go around saying the things that, that you would probably say on Twitter anonymously. So I think I think there's an inherent thing about if 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 you know if if you if if it's a direct to fan slash artist relationship, that there's that feeling that, that you that the artist knows who you are and therefore you you act good and, and act well in that community and i think that's really important it doesn't happen on linkedin to some some degree it doesn't happen on facebook but certainly instagram tiktok and uh and, and particularly twitter uh i think that drives this this cancel culture idea uh where even the media pick up on 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 you know 50 probably bots uh, all the same person, all moaning about the same thing, and uh, and and you think, well, you know, how, how do you know that's the right metric? 
you're measuring by anonymous people you can't there's something wrong with that that doesn't work yeah no no yeah and, and I guess a lot of some people can some people that I guess can kind of like rub stuff like that off but then a lot of people will kind of internalize it and take it to heart so yeah no no it's really it's really good Absolutely. I guess I guess I guess in terms of the community and and what you guys have built it's like almost as if someone's when you're applying it's like you're I don't know you're kind of like vet it's, it's it's almost like a vetting kind of thing so it makes that it a little bit harder for like people to come in and just troll people or you know act out of bad faith or stuff like that yeah you've got to be a big enough fan to, to download the app yeah or, exactly. or use it on web as well you know to do that so you know people don't get into that trouble um, yeah that's really interesting and 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 do you find that it kind of works um across the board like up and coming artists it it works as as well as maybe someone who's a lot more established yeah i mean it does i mean i wish i could crack that sort of first thousand fan thing uh that's the sort of holy grail of how to break a band but um or an artist but i think as soon as it sort of goes through a sort of a thousand fan level it, it, it really starts to work and um you know there's been incredible ways that people distribute the app as well and um you know we we work with um a band called the pearl hearts um a, a two-piece um band and uh they you know they'll they'll just mention it to people at the concerts you know download the app download our app it's there um we have um boy george that's had um a QR code on the backdrop of his screen when he's doing concerts so people can point the phone at it and download mm -hmm. the app that way. Um, so there's been just different ways, you know, whether it could be on the merch desk, uh, just a QR code or download the app and, and buy the merch later on and those kind of things. So I think, uh, yeah, it depends on the level of the band, but I think the beauty of it is it's it's the artist's app. It's, down, it's not Fan Circle's app. We just pat where the tech behind it. So from the yep. artist's perspective, it's your platform. You're done, you're you're telling your fans about your platform, which is I think the, the key reason it works. Not mm -hmm. go and join my page on Facebook. You're saying go and download our app, go and download my app. So I think that brings uh, again Ed Hardcore Harcourt is another person that we work with. Um who um is um will tell people go and download my app. And I think it's, they feel proud of it. And I think the fans do as well. And it's yeah, that so close collection. That like own it, yeah, so they have the ownership and control, whereas if it's a Facebook page, obviously it's not. It's, it's owned and controlled by, by Facebook, but you're, you know what I mean, you're kind of really free anyway. You can obviously <laughs> post, yeah. No, you can really... post, but the reach is kind of up 1%. So, you know, even if you get 1% of your fans from Facebook over into your app, uh, you still got, you've still got more reach than what you would organically <laughs> Facebook, which is, you know, makes everything sound ridiculous. Uh, yeah, it's the truth of it. Yeah, the algorithms are a, um, a strange thing to master on social media, aren't they? But they don't work when it comes to artists, and they don't work because the number of fans that an artist has, or the, sorry, the number of followers that an artist has, doesn't represent the number of fans they have. Um, if you look at um, Drake, for example, I always find it fascinating that. Uh, he has, a, I think, 110 million social followers. I think somebody told me that's like a, a sixth of the number of Catholics in the world. Um, and then you look at the other end of the spectrum um, at Guns N' Roses, and I believe they have 9 million people. Could be 7 million. 
Um, interesting thing is Drake's last tour generated $35 million and Guns N' Roses' last tour generated $185 million. So it's quite interesting what, who is a follower and who is a fan. I think it's all got very confused. Um, Taylor Swift, 76 million followers. I'm not saying she hasn't got a large fan base, but she hasn't got 76 million. So I think that the, the, it, it goes wrong when it comes to music. I mean, if you go into the corporate world, Apple as a company have, I believe, seven or eight million uh, social media followers. So how can Taylor Swift have 76 billion and Apple have that few? It, that, it, it doesn't work for a music artist because you can't reach the, the number of people that you need to reach without paying Facebook a fortune. Yeah, that's nuts. I guess you never really know. Like you said, you never really know who's following you as a fan. And I guess a lot of art, like in terms of their fan base, then their following base might, it gets watered down a bit. Like on a smaller scale, like you might have an artist who, I don't know, like moves into, they might have been before, they might have been a singer. They might have built up a following through that and then they might pivot into do something else. And because they've had a following from their singing, then when I guess when you look at them on face value, you think they've got this massive following in their new form. But then I don't know, it might not sell. They might not sell the tickets that they need to, for example, because they're not all following them for the what they're doing now. I think I think that's the sad truth about um, Instagram, really. It or, is, isn't it? But uh, yeah. that, that's exactly Instagram. Uh, uh, it's like it, smoke it, and mirrors. It is. Or is it something like X Factor? The fact that, you know, everybody watches, a lot of people watch X Factor, but they would never go out and go to the concert or buy a ticket or buy a T-shirt. I mean, it's uh, it, it fascinated me when somebody told me that you, you never see anybody in a Drake T-shirt. And it's that's very interesting. Interesting fact that you see more people in an Iron Maiden T-shirt than a Drake T-shirt. And then you go, that's that that says a lot about the way that we're measuring music at the moment and uh, and 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 how we've forgotten the difference between fans and followers there's a really big difference yeah it's a really interesting point isn't it so i guess followers aren't everything which absolutely a lot of artists will probably fall off their their chair to hear but it's very true well there was um an nft collection for um an artist called chris brown um it was ten thousand nfts um, sometime earlier this year, I think they sold 260 of the 10,000 NFTs. And people were quite shocked because the social media following, I think, is 170 million people. Um, you might have to fact check me on, on that exact number, but it was something around that. And nobody could understand why he hadn't sold all of those NFTs out. Now, well, one, of course, you've got the Web3 community, but secondly, his concert size this, these days are theatres so to three thousand people so over the period of his of his professional life at some point he was very big in the i think in the 90s i believe um and uh but no, not not so much now um so again if you measure things by followers it, it's not it's generally not the right measurement when it comes to fans mm-hmm it's like a, it's like a, it's. I guess it's like a, a guide, but you have to take into account other metrics as well. Lots of other metrics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's interesting. It's interesting, and it's nice. It's nice to hear um, someone in like the music industry saying that as well, because um, I think you get a lot of people not saying that. 
So yeah, it's, it's, it's good. Yeah, yeah, I think it's the kind of unwritten rule uh, to just measure by followers uh, because that just seems to be uh, a good measurement for the industry. Mm -hmm. it's, it's easy as well, isn't it? You look it's at someone's easy, Instagram following. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they've they've not got many followers. We don't want to we don't want to book them. Absolutely. But, the, but then, yeah, it's interesting. Um, it's fascinating world. It really, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, so you, with Fan Circles as well, you describe yourself as a Web 2.5 company. What does that mean exactly? And I guess how do you think Web 2.5 could benefit companies who might just be in Web 2 at the minute? Yeah, I think I think the thing is, I think the, the two worlds seem to be pretty separate. You've got the Web3 community and uh, you've got a Web2 community if that's that, that's the rest of the world, right? Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and they're pretty separate. Um, my sort of move into Web3, I guess, really, you know, apart from Bitcoin, um, would have been buying NFC in January of this year, 22 and um and then landing in discord and thinking right okay this is interesting this just doesn't feel like it's the place that i should be um i had a little bit of a hunt around and i was looking at the um the aussie osborne um discord server and i bought a crypto bat just to have a look in there and uh, realized out of the ten thousand crypto bat owners there didn't seem to be any fans in there at all. They were just traders. And, uh, and I guess for the, my first thought was, well, I can see what's happened here. What's, what's really happened here, I think, is $15 million of uh, crypto money has just been moved into the music industry, which is fascinating to me. And I'm sure Sharon Osborne, who orchestrated the whole thing, uh, made millions. I think $15 million was probably a number that seems to be floating around of how much uh, how much was sold in crypto bats but but it was interesting that there was there was no fan base in there um i sort of pretended to be an ozzy osborne fan for a moment and and realized nobody had a clue about any songs or albums or anything in there and um and and, and after that thought well okay so you know we've been running fan settles for a few years with a subscription basis um so free to enter with certain um, content that's gated. Um, so why not include the ability to validate an NFT as ownership that would, or ownership of an NFT, which then would ungate content within the app? You kind of become a Web 2.5 company because you're serving fans that don't understand or don't care to understand Discord. Um, I want something a bit more friendly, um, but at the same time, um, given the tools. For NFTs to work in that world, so Web 2.5 kind of just fitted in into uh, I think where where we feel we are. It's like fitting into an existing model, I guess. It's like a yeah, I think I think it's pretty dangerous just to rely on just Web 3 people because it is a small community, really. I think so, and it's it's very early days still in the scheme of where it's going to go. Um, yeah. So and the tech isn't quite there yet with everything. It's not mass, we're not in mass adoption stage yet, are we? So yeah, it's well, we just wanted to make it as easy as possible to onboard people with something that felt familiar. This feels like a Facebook, feels like an Instagram, feels like something that you would understand already. Feels like Spotify, feel you know something that didn't feel like a constant stream of of, of text, mm -hmm. like 
discord and something that people understood so you know again with the Ozzy Osbourne one a great example because I would imagine the average fan would probably be what 60 years old plus uh, they're not really going to understand um, or want to understand this that's no. the right way to put it uh, a, a new platform like discord they want something familiar and they're probably facebook users so therefore you know give them something like that so i think i think i think it's a matter of just the way that things are presented i think it's nice to pre present things in a post and comment type way rather than a constant stream of endless what could become nonsense um and 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 where do you begin in that conversation within discord it's it's, it's difficult to uh to find the beginning of any conversation in discord so mm -hmm. organize things a bit better and uh i think uh, that allows a lot more people to enter the space and that's what we we've done over the last 12, 12 months yeah so i guess like for a web 2 company listening like web 2.5 is quite a I don't want to say an easy way because nothing's easy in the space, but it's it's a way for kind of a Web2 company to, you know, add a slight Web3 element to their company in a way that might make it easy for their existing companies to, existing customer base to understand what's going on. I guess that's what the point of Web2.5 is, isn't it? I think so. And also the fact, you know, I think we, we, we work with a lot of Web3 teams um, and you know they're, they're very different to to the web two teams that would probably look after advertising on on social platforms and uh, google ads and things like that, that. so i think web 2.5 kind of it allows it just allows that sort of stopgap between the two and allows everybody to work together and to the same common goal of, of promoting in our case a, a music artist or a television show or a celebrity um or whoever it might be yeah, cool. Uh, so last question, where do you think the music industry is headed? I actually think for the first time in about 10 years that it could end up in a really good place. And I think it's finally got some new blood entering because of Web3. Web3 teams have been built within, within all of the major labels um, and a lot of the smaller ones. Yeah, they're not going to make themselves redundant and they're not going to take over the roles of the Web2 people. So, I, I mean, to me, I think there's a massive opportunity. And I think I don't it, it's not if Web3, I don't think Web3 to me just represents just crypto or just NFTs. You know, I think it represents ownership of fan data. I think it represents first party fan data I think I think it represents a direct connection with somebody rather than using a platform um and that's what we try to 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 give to music artists a way that they can directly connect with their fans with um and and and, and sell directly and I think that brings so many opportunities not not only through ticketing but merchandise and, and just building a fan club of people that have a common interest and 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 that we'll meet up at concerts together and uh, and find friendships and that that often happens so i think i think there's a really bright future for music but i do think there's more than one music industry within music um mm -hmm. i think you know i think there's the there's the spotify uh direction um which is about getting as many plays as possible but then there's another direction which is about fandom and i think both are 
that they both work in their own ways, but they're very, very different. So I think um, I think this is good for smaller artists. I think it will grow artists and I think it will give opportunities to artists to grow. Yeah, I feel like um, there's been a bit of a shift. Uh, I think the pandemic kind of initially brought on this shift in terms of like up and coming artists and local artists sort of breaking through a lot more. Um, I think because I guess the pandemic, a lot of you, you found like a lot of local artists were getting booked for parties that wouldn't have happened just simply because, you know, they couldn't fly bigger people in and stuff. So I, I think there's start, they started to be a bit of a shift, shift of the scales to that. And I think with Web3, um, that's kind of momentum is continuing, which is exciting, in my opinion, anyway. If if the NFT can become the new the, the first new format of music since the CD, I think there's something very interesting there. And I think if you can buy an NFT that unlocks uh, an album uh, that allows, again, for an artist to earn what they should do from their music, because, you know, I don't think um, earning on average two to three thousand dollars per 10 million plays on Spotify is very fair. And, uh, right. and, and actually, there's very few artists that do even earn uh, a, a good living. I mean, there, there's less than um 7500 artists on spotify earning um more than a hundred thousand dollars a year and out of those only 350 of those are fully independent um so it, it's a very very tiny portion of the pie that are getting anything from from streaming services it doesn't work on quantity it's a bit like followers on instagram there's a difference mm -hmm. and i think fans are fans are more important less of them but more loyal. Quality over quantity. Absolutely. Yeah, well, great. Well, on, on that note, um, very nice speaking to you, Kevin. Um, so we'll wrap it up there. Um, but yeah, pleasure. Thank you for coming on. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to CryptoCast by Gunna Cook. Gunna Cook is a market-leading law firm advising on blockchain, Web3, crypto asset and DeFi. Our members have been heavily involved in helping to shape the legal and regulatory framework for blockchain and crypto assets. Our team works across multiple jurisdictions, including Germany and the US. We're the only UK law firm to officially accept payment in crypto, and our client base is more than 150. Before we go, if you enjoyed the episode, please leave a review on your podcast service. Make sure that you are following Gunna Cook on social media and sign up to our CryptoCast mailing list on the Gunna Cook website. Thanks so much for listening.